Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the Movie Multiverse podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Chartier, joined as always by my co-host, Stephen Verville. How are you today, Stephen? Doing phenomenal, Gab. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. Can't wait to to get into uh, the Mando episode this week. Yeah, I know. It was a real treat. Absolutely. Let's get right into it and not waste any time. For sure. So let's start with the news, as always. So point number one, I have uh, you renewed for a fifth and final season at Netflix, uh, set to re- premiere in uh, 2024. Have you seen the show? I haven't. From what I've gathered, it's like a stalker show. Yeah, like, I, I've always I, been scared to watch it because I'm like, it just sounds so creepy. It does. It almost sounds like unsettling, but apparently it's really good if there's this many seasons. Yeah, and like my, I know my sister loves it, and my dad said like just watched it in parts and said it's actually pretty good so who knows maybe someday yeah exactly <laughs> point number two uh queen charlotte a bridgerton story dropped uh, their first trailer and uh the series will release uh may 4th star wars uh, day. on exactly star wars day on netflix i don't I... believe you've seen the bridgerton no show. i don't know what the, is this like a spinoff yeah so it's like a it's like a prequel Oh, okay. if you will, of uh, surrounding around the character of Queen Charlotte um, in Bridgerton. So I'm excited for this. I will I will be watching this. So um excited to see where this goes. Good. I'm probably not going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame you. Don't blame me. It's all good. It's not your type of show, so it's all good. Next, uh, XO Kitty dropped his first trailer, and the entire series will release May 18th on Netflix. Now, this what? is a spinoff about uh, the youngest sister in the uh, To All the Boys uh, movies. Oh, I had not heard of this. Like, <laughs> very interesting. Yes. So there's no books about this. So like, obviously, the trilogy was based off the three books by uh, Jenny Han. Um, I'm actually reading the books right now. I'm about halfway through the third one. Uh, they're very good books and the movies are very good. Um, so I'm excited to see where they go with this. I will be watching this, so hope it's good. Yeah, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely mention it there whenever we get to that point. Um, next point, Dead City to release on June 18th. Uh, so their first episode will drop June 18th on AMC. That would be nice for the summer. Like I'm not really used to the Walking Dead in the summer, so that'll be nice. If I'm not mistaken, I believe. They announced like it's gonna drop. It's either the week after the mid-season finale for Fear or uh, the that like that actual night. Are we so. still getting Daryl Daryl Dixon show this year? Yes. So, yes, but that's in the fall. Yeah, there's no Walking Dead now until the start of Fear. Correct. Correct. May May fourteenth, if I'm not oh. mistaken. So six episodes, uh, because it, this final season is only going to be twelve. We're gonna yeah. drop six episodes, and then there's going to be six episodes of. After Dead City, uh, probably of Dead City, yeah, and they're probably. I'm assuming there will be another six. Uh, they haven't really announced when it's going to become coming back. They don't really do that announcement of that date until no, the mid season finale, typically. So that but, way they can tell you what the break is. Exactly. So, but I I believe a fair assumption would be like maybe a week or two after Dead City ends. Yeah, that that probably makes the most sense. Yeah, and then. Uh, they'd probably want to spread it out nicely enough so that uh, uh, the Daryl Dixon show could come out in the typical The Walking Dead slot in yeah. October. October, yeah, early October. No, that yeah. makes sense. Looking Since forward. it's only six episodes, I would assume late October. 
I, I think so too. They're gonna let it run till Christmas, probably, or like you know, mid December. Yeah. Either way, excited for the show. We'll see. Uh, see how it uh, goes when it comes out. Um. Next point. Uh, Kumail Nanjani, Patton Oswalt, James Acaster, uh, Emily Allen Lind cast in Ghostbuster Afterlife sequel uh, as uh, filming has begun. Uh, have you seen any of the Ghostbuster movies? The originals when I was young, but like, okay, is Ghostbusters Afterlife the one where they brought back the original cast? I'm not entirely sure. It's the one with Paul Rudd and the young kids. Okay, so yeah, it is the one where they brought back the original. I've heard nothing but good things about that movie. Me too. And what's crazy is it, it's the next movie after I think the movie that was like extremely like hated from this. Okay. Franchise. So, so we, I think like they kind of revived the franchise. So it's kind of nice to see that we're going to be getting a, another sequel. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope it's just as good as uh, people say the first one is. So I'm sure Sony would love another uh, trilogy. Well, I, exactly. And if it's not good, I, I think that's like one of those, those franchises where you kind of like leave it in the, leave it maybe in the dust. Right. Cause yeah. Eventually, the people are only going to take so many uh, misses. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Um, next one we have uh, Stephen Knight uh, from Peaky Blinders uh, replacing Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson as screenwriters on the uh, Charmaine Obeid Shinoy's uh, Star Wars film. Now, um, this is supposedly the next one coming up in twenty twenty five. It's just so ridiculous how much. Like what's going on? I know. You know what I mean? Like behind the scenes stuff on these films, it's, it's, it's crazy actually. Like literally nothing's got into production. (laughs) No, it's almost like they're, they're scared to do it or, or something like, like, I don't know. It's weird. It's almost like there's like some sort of, you know, chaos in in Lucasfilm studios. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. No, I, this reeks of like studio meddling. (laughs) almost a little right? like the fact. creatives the creatives behind the actual script are like not happy with either the feedback they're getting or i don't know it's it's just weird it's like just be nervous to be honest yeah that's not like, a good sign no and uh, apparently they're probably going to move forward with announcing this like once you announce it it's kind of hard to go back on it even though I, they I, they did that with the patty jenkson jenkin ones but uh but still though no, it's uh We'll see. Uh, gotta be hopeful, I suppose, but it's a little nerve-wracking. Yeah, I guess we'll see in a couple of weeks there. Next, we have uh, the Daniels, who just won an Oscar for uh, Best Directors for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, um, are directing an episode of Skeleton Crew. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, going to be a nice, unique take on, uh, on a Star Wars project, and uh, I'm excited to see what they can do. Absolutely. Um, next, we have uh, Chirion Hines, uh, Rory Kinnear and Tanya Moody cast in the Rings of Power season two. Uh, they've been filming for a couple months already. So, nice. um, yeah, I don't know any of these actors, but you know, I've heard nothing but good stuff about Rings of Power uh, season one. So I'm sure it'll be more more good stuff uh, coming from them with that Amazon budget. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, no shortage of money there. No, <laughs> this next one's a pretty fiery one uh victoria alonso was fired at disney and marvel studios uh she was the president of uh physical production post-production and vfx and animation at uh, marvel studios um now there was a story that came out that she was fired by disney not by marvel studios uh essentially kevin feige had no knowledge of it he apparently did not fight it either 
So yeah, he didn't intervene with it. Um, she was supposedly fired because of her producing uh, another film, which was a breach of contract. Apparently, now she's since refuted that, saying that's absolutely not true. She's being silenced for something. So, um, more details to come from this oh, story, for- obviously. But uh, I'm not sure there's much we can comment on that. Any thoughts? Uh, just, well, we, we we had mentioned this uh, not on the pod, but uh, like not long ago, how uh, you were saying how she apparently was very very hard to work for for the VFX companies. Yeah, but there's there's been like a like some people in the VFX community have said recently like she was not really that much of an issue. So like I don't know, it's like it's I don't know. Maybe maybe that was one of the companies that she was good with. I, or I have no just idea. showing class, right? You don't want to you don't want to you know bad mouth somebody, right? Yeah. She's a pretty heavy hitter in terms of uh, producers in Hollywood. So, but you know, I, I, this might be might not be necessarily a bad thing, though. Like, we'll see. Like, I'm not gonna, like I said, I'm not gonna comment too much on it because I don't know the ins and outs. Like, for all I know, this is absolute bullshit, and she's like wrongly was wrongly dismissed. But who knows, right? We'll we'll find out more, like you said, in the in the coming weeks and months. For sure, for sure. Um, but I mean. I, I doubt she would come back. So, <laughs> oh, definitely not. We'll just we'll find out the details and we'll have to live with them. Basically, exactly, exactly. They'll probably honestly they'll probably be like a settlement or something, and everyone will yeah, go their own way. We'll all be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just let's stop talking about it. I can't deal with all this drama. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and last point for the news today: uh, Ma- Megan uh, McDonald and uh, Peter Cameron will serve as uh, writers on Vision Quest. Uh, Jack Schaefer uh, is the head writer and executive producer of this series. Uh, Jack Schaefer is obviously the creative head behind uh, WandaVision and the uh, Agatha show. Oh, so we'll see. <laughs> this is one I actually complete, completely forgot this show was even going to happen, to be honest with you. like Yeah, it's, it's a ways away. <laughs> like Vision's been like kind of like forgotten. Like since he left at the end of WandaVision in his new white Vision body, it was kind of like a scenario where it was like, well... We kind of just don't remember that he exists for now. Uh, he's apparently going to be an armor wars, though. I don't know if that's official or if that's just you know, you know, hearsay. But that's what I've been. That's what I've seen in a few different articles. Is people said that he'll be in armor wars. Yeah. So maybe Vision Quest will actually come out before Armor Wars or something. Yeah. yeah. Armor Wars. They don't. Do they have a? I think they're still writing the script. I'm not sure if they have a director. Um. But yeah, uh, from, from what I understand, it's a ways away as well. Definitely. So I'm looking and, forward to it, but. Yeah, it's a ways away. Yeah, and with the with the delays, uh, obviously bound to happen. Things uh, are all going to be pushed back. Like I, I think a lot yeah. of the release dates that they've shown us are basically null and void. Yeah, they're like they've changed everything on Disney Plus to coming soon instead of basically, actual is- like fall and and <laughs> spring and winter twenty twenty four or whatever. Uh, they had spent they uh they had taken the the timelines that were shown at uh, Comic Con, if I'm not mistaken. So, um. They've kind of updated that to say coming soon, and uh, the the way streaming services are typically like what they'll typically do is they'll like they'll drop a trailer a month to six weeks before the show comes out. Yes, and they don't do it early enough. Like then you'll know the release date. That's what they did with Miss Marvel. I remember I was like, oh, this random trailer out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's dropping June sixth. Okay, so that's I, great. Exactly. That was smart to do it that way because it, it doesn't cause any like 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 what they're doing right now where they're 
forced to change the dates and no you know it's it's all this you know this hard work and you know alteration when you could just simply just you know it's ready in two weeks it'll be out then exactly one famous for this is and it makes me laugh to this day and it's it's not the film's fault because covid happened but no time to die there was that shot of (laughs) of uh oh geez i forgot the actor's name is that a bond movie yes uh, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah, there was that shot of Daniel Craig jumping off a bridge with a rope that just—it was in—it was in like eight different trailers because they kept changing the release date because of oh. COVID, <laughs> and they didn't want to show more of the movie, so it was yeah, just that you, shot over and over again. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that sounds hilarious. Oh god, it was unbelievable. Uh, anyways, any other comments from you on the news? No, no, nothing too, uh, too big there. Uh, just. You know, good stuff all around. I was happy with the Dead City release date. I'm glad we finally got official confirmation on that one. Yeah, and uh, something I didn't write here, but uh, they officially confirmed that Fear will have a seven-year time jump uh, at some point God. in the season. So. Good. We needed yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, I said last week I would give my review of Outer Banks Season 3. Are you ready for it? Hell yeah. Uh, hit me with it. I know nothing about this show, so this is going to be nice and informative. All right. Great. So this season is about the chase for uh, El Dorado, uh, season three of Outer Banks, that is. Um, it begins as season two ended with our uh, cast of main six Pogues. Uh, they are stranded on an island, which they've named uh, Poglandia. Quite original. Um, so uh, we begin there with uh, they've been living there for about a month, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, they get rescued uh, by a lone plane pilot. Um and immediately get thrust into the action and the chase for El Dorado um, and find out that perhaps there is a larger treasure uh, after all. So th- this type of show, I'm not sure if you, I, it doesn't seem like you know at all what the <laughs> this show is about, but it's it's been about like a treasure hunt, like the, you know, City of Gold and stuff like that. Um, so they've been chasing gold essentially in the first three seasons. So there's, uh, in terms of this season, um, there were some storylines which I enjoyed less than others. People who've seen the show would, would know which ones that would probably be. Um, so the, the return of a previously thought dead character created kind of a rift for the part of the season uh, in the group, which I guess I understood story-wise, but I just kind of didn't enjoy that part of the story, which is simply my opinion. Um, yep. The last few episodes were all really good and really kind of focused. Like once it, it got focused... And our main cast kind of came back together and all were working towards the same thing. It was that's where I really kind of enjoyed it. It was the last three or four episodes that really uh, kind of uh, took it home for me. Um, Yeah. So um, and they eventually find El Dorado at the end. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, season ends with a few deaths, uh, sacrifices, uh, and essentially wraps up like the storylines or the storyline of the first three seasons uh, quite neatly uh, with all three treasure hunts being related to one another. I thought acting was really good in the show. Like it's never like these types of teenage shows, like acting is never really an issue for me. It's, it's typically like sometimes they'll be given like subpar scripts where it's like, man, this is cringy. <laughs> and sometimes, and sometimes the cringe is actually a part of those shows. Right. So it's you got to, aspect right exactly because you're like you're like damn i was in that position and this is a terrible decision but (laughs) fuck i understand it (laughs) 
so so that's why it's like cringy sometimes but it's like it's you totally get it you totally get it that said um happy with all the characters and the love storylines have ended with this season uh looking forward to seeing things continue in season four their lives have completely changed now now that they found the the main treasure they're all kind of rich and there was actually a 18 month uh uh, time skip at the end so um and they've simply teased us with another chase for season four uh so let's see where it goes yeah that's uh it sounds interesting like it's an it's an interesting concept right like treasure hunting is a cool you know overall like narrative concept but you know i don't know if that's necessarily for me with like the teenage angst aspect of it that's not really <laughs> not really my style but you know it sounds good no I'm, I'm glad there's another season coming yeah, it's entertaining. Uh, sounds like they. I'm just kind of assuming here and uh, talking out loud, but like if they, if this first three seasons were kind of an arc in terms of the, uh, the story for this treasure, I'm I'm curious to see if they've planned like another three season storyline with this new treasure, um, and you know maybe, I mean I would assume it would have to end after six because. Well, yeah, no. you can't go too long, on, on, especially yeah. on a show with like a simple premise. Like, I'm not saying the show is like simplistic, but like you know, the treasure hunters. Like, you know, it's not going to last forever. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that this next one is going to be about uh, uh, surrounded around Blackbeard. So that's cool. Okay, well that that sounds actually really really cool. Yeah. So, um, see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. And I also said I was going to give a review of uh, Shark Cage season one. So shall we do yeah, that as well? Yeah, hit me with this one. I've, you mentioned it to me the other day, and it's uh, I've been wanting to hear so uh, hit me with it. I love this fucking show so much. I think it's brilliant. Um, very first good season of Shrinking. Uh, it's a story about a therapist, uh, played by Jason Siegel, uh, who is, uh, I believe I misspelled his name there, but <laughs> who is grieving the loss of his wife and uh, his, uh, his growth of being a better father uh, since his wife's uh, passing. He's a very different kind of uh, therapist compared to his uh, co-workers. Um, he has a unique way of getting to his patients by doing things like telling a patient to straight up break up with their, uh, their significant other. Or uh, one, of their, one of the patients was getting kicked out of his house, so he lets him stay in his pool house um, <laughs> and pay rent or whatever. Obviously, his co-workers were played by Harrison Ford and Jessica Williams. Uh, both were brilliant. Like I'm telling you, like Harrison Ford was incredible in this, um, and Jessica Williams, I I've loved her in everything I've seen her in. I think she's phenomenal. Um, there's lots of humor in this show, um, which uh, despite having some very personal, emotional, and at times kind of uh, dark themes, um, I think the thing I love the most about this show is that they blend those themes really well. Um, and it works well. You understand and care for each of the characters. Yeah, it's just a really great show. Um, I guess it's, I'm trying to say, like, is it, is it, I'm trying to think, like, is it a sitcom? I guess you could consider it because it's like a half hour comedy show, but um, it's also like a, I don't know, I guess you could say it's a dramedy, if you will. Um, so the season ends with a moment that will probably have some very serious repercussions going forward. And, uh, Looking forward to spending more time with these characters and seeing where things go in the, in season two. Nice. Well, when you have a cast this good, it's it's almost a guarantee that it's going to be something enjoyable, especially with this premise, right? This like you you give us a really intriguing premise like this, cast so well, it's it's bound to be good, right? And uh, yeah. I'm I'm glad that it sounds good. Like I'm, it's genuinely something I'm probably going to actually watch at some point. So yeah, 
No, I highly recommend it. It's, it's really, really well done. Um, and like I said, like you, you have some times where you're like, holy fuck, this is getting to me because you're, you're crying because it's, it's like, it's a, it hits home very hard. And then there are like some very dark themes where you're like, holy shit, like this is fucking something. And then there's like hilarious scenes where you're, you're laughing your ass off. So, um, they blend really well. Perfect blend. Yeah. Exactly. Any other comments before we get into our review segment? No, that's it for me. Uh, I'm glad you uh, hit me with those reviews because uh, I'm not very—I don't have a very big uh, variation of shows I like to watch, and I know you have more of a of a broad view. So it's nice to hear your thoughts on these shows that I probably wouldn't have checked out otherwise. Awesome, glad to hear it, man. Glad to hear it. So, um, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we return, we will be back with our. Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4, Review. And we are back with our review of The Mandalorian, Chapter 20, The Foundling. Um, synopsis, Din Djarin returns to the hidden Mandalorian covert. Ready to get into it? Synopsis of these episodes, man. So broad, so vague. It's like, they don't, they don't want you to spoil a damn thing. Like, that doesn't even say anything. You know what I love about this? We already knew he returned to it. <laughs> it happened in the last episode. <laughs> like, I fuck? know. Hilarious. Uh, no, but yeah, let's get into it. Like, this, I like this one a lot, by the oh, way. Gosh. I love this episode. Yes. So, uh, this episode begins on Concord. I think it's Concordia, right? Not actually sure to be honest with you, but uh, okay. I don't know if they named it. Like, I don't know if they, they've ever named the the, uh, the planet. Yeah, Honestly, but... I was assuming based off my limited knowledge of, or remembering uh, the Clone Wars. So I was kind of like, I, hmm, I, maybe I it is. I don't remember truthfully, but um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the Mandalorians are training and helping to train the foundlings uh, within the covert. Uh, Bo-Katan is walking around looking at what sort of army she can have, right? Mm-hmm. Look at these guys. Um, <laughs> Grogu's sitting on a beach uh, playing with the uh, rock crabs um, when Din grabs him and says it's time to do some training. Um, he puts Grogu up as the next challenger for the two foundlings that are dueling. Um, the Mandalorian judge says he is too small, to which Din responds He's my ward. Proceed. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was hilarious too. He just did. It was just like okay. Nobody gave a shit. It was just like yeah, go for it. Like literally. Um. So the uh, challenger selects darts for the duel. Just adorable little armband that uh, Bo-Katan places uh, on Grogu's arm and explains to Grogu that her father was also hard on her, uh, but he's just very proud of you. Um, so the duel begins with the challenger landing two strikes on Grogu, and Grogu turns around, <laughs> looks at Din, and Din tells him uh, to show him what you could do. Um, so as the third dart is getting launched towards Grogu, he flips and avoids it, flips again back to the front of him, and strikes the three darts uh, to the challenger to win the duel. Thoughts on that? Man, <laughs> it was basically just like a paintball fight. Uh I liked it though. It was a cool scene. I think the puppet for Grogu works half the time. Like in this scene, I found it like almost like it almost felt like a puppet when she was putting the the gauntlet on on the arm. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I think it's a scale thing. Maybe I, I don't know. I just didn't really. I love the way like that looked cinematically, but like I think I loved it when they was doing the flips and stuff though. Like the practicality of it's cool. I just I just thought it looked a little odd when she was like his little arm was sticking out. Like I don't know if it's because he's that small. 
or if it is the puppet I, it, there's just there was just a little bit of something like odd in that in that visual for me like I, I, you probably don't feel that same way no so, i think i think it's just star wars like that's the way it looks awkward. it looked weird like i don't know it, it just yeah but other than that no this is, this is a charming scene it was cool seeing how like how this community is though like we've never really seen them with this many mandalorians around like at yeah. least it's covert so it was kind of nice to see like how they were they you know mend together for sure so after the duel uh the challenger <laughs> ends up by himself uh maybe kicking rocks or crabs at the water um when drogon swoops down and snatches him this location seems really unsafe no kidding. And it's like all these mythical beasts are showing up out of nowhere. Like it's not even like Star Wars creatures. These are like like from like a video game. Like this was like a straight up dragon. Literally. Drogon grabbing him. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about when I say Drogon? Uh is that one of the three dragons in Game of Thrones? Yes, it's the big one. Okay. Um <laughs> Daenerys' dragon. Yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> so the uh, Mandalorians begin chasing the creature. Um, but eventually their jetpacks run out of fuel, uh, answering the age-old question <laughs> of when will these people ever run out of fuel? They seem to always have enough. <laughs> they run out fast, too. Like that. It, it took them like two minutes. It was like, what? Yeah. It was so weird. But worry not, Pocatan seems to be thinking on her feet, and she immediately jumped into her ship instead of... Uh, going after it in her with her jetpack um was able to track down and map where the creature lives after returning to the covert she tells everyone that she's tracked down uh the creature down and his slayer um and they immediately put a team together to retrieve the foundling yeah it was uh like i i thought this was really neat like i said like this is more of the communal thing i was talking about earlier like they actually like feel like a community and it's like it's it's very interesting to see it was also like again this season especially, like, I find the shots look so cinematic. Like, it almost doesn't even look like CGI. No, that, like, one, that one shot where, the like, the sun was going down and both ship and uh, the the dragon-like bird, um, I thought that was a really, really nice shot. No, I, I completely agree. Like, it's just everything. Even, like, the dragon itself, like, like it looks so good. Like, they've really stepped up their game. Like, I don't know if they're just like the technologies there, but like, it's, it's ridiculous how well this looks. And, you know, uh, a lot of this I think is to do with like a mix of practical and CG, but like, man, just they, they're continuing to impress every week. Absolutely. Um, so Grogu stays behind. Um, and man, that, that scene where he's like waddling into the cave. Is... <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> He's got me. He's got me. Um, so he follows the armor into the cave as she explains that there's much for him to learn if he's going to become a Mandalorian. She makes him a piece of armor, and while she is making it, we are sent into some flashbacks of Order 66. Kind of the same way Din uh, was uh, sent into flashbacks in Season 1 as uh, she's making or repairing his armor. Yes, I didn't think of that. There's a really cool parallel. Absolutely. So we find out in this flashback, uh, which, by the way, it's just Order 66. Just keep twisting the knife, Dave. Keep twisting it. It's his favorite. He loves he loves pain. <laughs> yes. Let me make some more people cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that the Jedi who saved Grogu is Kellerin Beck, played by none other than Jar Jar Binks actor Ahmed Best. Man, it was good to see him back here and playing a key role because that man went 
through it in the early 2000s. So I'm happy to see him uh, doing better and uh, getting his time to shine. Right when I saw the doors open and I saw it was him, right away I was like, that's Jar Jar. And I was like, you know what? Good for him. Like you said, like he's the Star Wars community showed the, shows their true colors a lot for this kind yes. of stuff. And he did not deserve that. And I'm so thankful that they picked a character of that was this cool and this important for this guy to play because, you know, he, he, he clearly loves Star Wars because he's also in Attack of the Clones. He's an extra in Attack of the Clones. But, you know, he's in there. Like, you could tell this, that he loves Star Wars, but it's like he was treated so poorly. So I'm glad they, like... Like this is a central plot now to this to this very popular story with Grogu. Like he's the person who saved Grogu. Like this is I'm super thankful that they did it that way. And they designed his his like robes and you know they designed the scene so cool where it was like wow this is a badass. Like I was I was I loved it. It was super cool. Agree. I'm happy uh, he got a little bit of redemption there. Um, so we also get a little bit of a cameo with the return of uh, Tamara Morrison voice acting for all the clones chasing Grogu and Kelleran. I thought that was really cool. I recognized the voice immediately. Yeah, I actually, to be honest, I didn't really notice. But the thing is, I'm so used to hearing it, right, that I didn't think anything of it. But like, I'm just, that is nice little uh, little touch that they did there. For sure. Um, so there's a chase uh, from the Jedi Temple all around Coruscant. Recognize the rock place immediately as they cut through it. And to the place where they get onto a uh, platform where there's another ship with a hyperdrive. Um, not sure I recognized the ship and soldiers there. Did, did you recognize? Yeah, uh, those are those are Naboo guards. So Naboo, uh, okay. Yeah, like from so that's like Queen Amidala's. Um, uh, probably either her ship, or so Padme's ship, or it was actually maybe Jar Jar's ship. Uh, it, I think that's the same ship that her and Anakin, or Padme and Anakin, use uh, in Attack of the Clones when they go to Tatooine to Geonosis. Okay. It's a very reflective silver. That's how you can kind of tell. And yeah, so the Naboo guards gave their lives trying to save, uh, trying to save Grogu, which, and, and this, this Jedi who we don't know if he knows them, but you know, they, they, they were fighting off admirably and showing, uh, showing their valor. Yeah. Jar Jar knows them. Yeah, um... exactly. <laughs> that was kind of a cool little thing too, right? Cause he played Jar Jar, the Naboo guards, Jar Jar's from Naboo. It was, I thought it was a cool little, uh, little Easter egg there. Absolutely. Um, so Kellerin and Grogu escape into hyperspace, and uh, I'm assuming this is well, I mean, this could be just the beginning of this. Well, it is just the beginning of this escape, um, but there could be more story to tell if they choose to. Um, we all there's obviously years in between that point and uh, the point where we meet Grogu in season one, but uh. I mean, that's up to them whether or not they want to tell more of that story, right? I feel like they kind of have to almost, like, because you, you introduce this really badass character, saves Grogu, and like we got to kind of see how the rest of his story plays out in a sense. Like, they don't have to see, they don't have to do episodes on episodes about it, but like at least show us to the point where they separate, right? Where right? the point where Grogu and uh, Kelleran do separate, right? You got to see kind of because he's Grogu's alone when Mando finds him, right? So we kind of yeah. got to see how he gets there, and I'm sure we're going to see it throughout the season. Like, we still have another four episodes. They're bound to show another flashback or two. Like I, I don't. I think that left it was too open ended there for them to just leave it as is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would have. I would be happily surprised if they show us I another. Think they they kind of have to. But like, I, I don't think we will. No. Oh, to be honest with you, uh, I think I, th- I think it would be like a season four thing if they decide oh, to, you know, piece yeah. it together or whatever. 
doesn't necessarily have to be this season. No, it doesn't have to be. This season. They just have to do it eventually. I, I think if they don't, like I said, there's a plot hole there. Like if we, especially if like in ten years we never find out what happens to this Jedi, uh, I'm actually not going to be very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, then we cut back to the cave where the armorer has made Grogu a very adorable chest plate with. I believe the same signet as Din's. Yeah, it's 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 his uh, his clan's symbol, which is basically just the two of them at this point. Okay. Yeah. And also, it, it looked so like like it looked uh, like you said adorable. It was like a little kid with like a little chest plate. Oh my god! It almost looked silly. That's how, that's like, but it was like I think it was supposed to, right? Because he's so small, and it's like you know, it always brings up the question in my head: is like, is he gonna get a helmet? Like, I, I, I don't know how that's gonna work. Yeah, no idea. Like, they they cannot face. cover that face up. No, they they can't. And also, like he's gonna age so slow that it's like like he's never he's not gonna be a full blown adult at sure. any point in this lifetime. So it's like I don't know if they're ever gonna get to that point. But I, I'm loving the way they're going with it, and it's, it's nice that he sees it getting even more. Uh, he's he's more so now in the Mandalorian uh, aspect than you know the Jedi aspect. He's moving more toward being a foundling which is really nice and that's why the episode's called the foundling <laughs> absolutely it has two meanings um and back to the rescue mission now for the foundling the other foundling yeah. um the group uh makes camp for the night will climb the cliff uh, the cliff in the morning um everyone scatters to eat supper um and bokatan being a mission leader gets the honor of remaining with the fire so i thought that was a really cool moment both like unsure like how do how do you eat? <laughs> well, she's being respectful too, which I, I like because uh, we don't know her plan yet. She might actually just genuinely want to join them, but no, I, I thought it was a really charming moment. It's a, it's a, it's an honest to god question too because like she is new to this, so yeah, I thought I really liked that sequence. Agreed. So um, the next morning, uh, they begin to climb. Uh, they begin their climb. Sorry, um, and once they reach the top, when they get there, they see essentially nothing. All they see was a big nest. Mando uses his infrared scanner and notices a couple red, uh, a couple of life forms. Sorry, um, on the other side of the nest, uh, Paz Vizsla like jumps in immediately with no hesitation, <laughs> and as the others tell him to wait until they clear the area, he says he's my son, and immediately jumps in. When he reaches the other side of the nest, um, there are three baby birds creatures that pop up. And then immediately after he's taken back by those three baby birds, uh, Drogon shows up again. And you see the uh, foundling essentially sticking out of uh, his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I don't know if he like, like, was he holding him in his mouth this whole time? That, that's what I'm assuming. Right? I'm assuming as well. Like, yeah. they didn't really like explain it. And, and the timing, because of the, of the flashback, we don't know how long it had been. Had it been five minutes? Had it been like, you know, like they didn't explain yeah, well, it. It was next day, all right? Like I thought you, I thought. Yes, no, it certainly was, but it was uh, like, like Bo had chased the bird down. Like that was at night, right? And then yeah. they it essentially made it there that night, set up camp, and said we're going in the morning. Um, was it in its mouth all night? Like, well, probably not. He probably held it in a place or whatever, and then you know when the morning comes, it's time to feed the babies. Yeah, so. they, like they just didn't really play it. Yeah. Right. Luckily, it doesn't really. Matter. I'm assuming that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. Let's be clear. So. Yeah. No, for sure. Um. So, so we have another air chase. Uh, with everyone doing everything they can, uh, to recover the foundling, and after multiple attacks by Bo, Pazvisla, and Din, 
Drogon drops the foundling. I'm just going to keep calling him Drogon. Yeah, go for it. Um, <laughs> and uh, falls into the water. Uh, Din catches the foundling and uh, gains, essentially, Paz Vizla's gratitude for saving his son. Um, now, that creature got eaten by a space crocodile in the water, <laughs> uh, continuing the age-old... <laughs> There's always a bigger fish. Always a bigger fish. Qui-Gon taught us that, and it's always going to be a thing in Star Wars. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The amount, of, the amount of times I saw someone say that on the internet. It's incredible. It Everyone was saying it in unison. Um, so the episode wraps up with the rescue team returning to the cave. Um, the armor explained to Bo that there is no greater honor than saving a foundling. And uh, Bo tells the armor that they brought back three to put into their care. And uh, the baby birds essentially walk out of the ship. So I'm assuming <laughs> they're going to tame them and probably ride them ride at some them. point. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. No, this, um, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just this episode, like, very short and sweet. Like, I feel like this was a, a quality over quantity episode. Like, I liked, I loved every moment about it. Like, it, it was it almost felt like a different style, like, almost the opposite style of last week, where it was, like, longer with more substance. This one was more, like, short to the point, but very relevant to the like to the actual like main plot like i i thought this episode was really well done for sure so uh the armor notices that bo is missing a shoulder piece of her armor tells bo to go go with her to get uh, a repair uh bo asks if she can have the mythosaur signet put on her other shoulder um instead of the night owl um to which the armor responds the mythosaur belongs to all mandalorians uh so of course you can and then Bo uh, does the uh, unthinkable and reveals to her that she saw an actual mythosaur in the living waters. Whether the armor believes her or not, who the hell knows? <laughs> we couldn't tell at all. End of episode. Pretty damn yeah. good episode, like you said. It was. Like, like I just said, like it, it felt like it was so short and sweet. And it was like, there was a, a lot of stuff here that I really enjoyed. One thing I really liked about this episode um, is that it, it made the armor and Paz Vizsla feel more like allies. Like I, because there was always kind of like a part of me that was like they might be villains, and I, I kind of lost that feeling and stuff. Like that. I, I was starting to feel a little bit more warm to them, you know, uh, like how the armor was treating Grogu and and how she was treating Bo, and then obviously now that pa that Paz Vizsla has kind of, you know, he, he has uh, Mando has gained his respect, so it's just it feels a little bit better now. I think it's going in the right direction. Absolutely, absolutely, and like you said, like very quick episode. They're essentially no fat in this episode just excellent storytelling so that's why i always like you know when people are saying like D -d bitch and bitch moaning and complaining about runtime reveals like <laughs> relax jesus christ but to be fair uh if this episode wasn't written so well or, or directed so well or, or whatever made so well uh it, it yeah th it could have been a problem it could have been like ah, it was too short nothing really happened but like they it was perfectly done so it's like the, the runtime doesn't matter when the episode's good for sure. But like, so would have been that, bad. people would have been like, it was because it was too short. That's why it was bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like, the runtime is also has to do with the the uh, cooperation between the writers and the uh, well, and the directors, right? I mean, just because the script is short doesn't mean the episode has to be short. And just because the script is long doesn't mean, you know, everything is shot that, you know, like it means nothing. Essentially. No, it it's just, you know, but like, like you said, this was a very good episode. Um, continuing a very interesting arc for Bo. Um, like, do you think the armor believed her? Uh, like you said earlier, we, we couldn't tell. 
like it almost sounded like the armor almost had like a tone of voice where she was like sure like almost like like not believing her in the slightest but you know i, I was kind of getting the vibe like at the end that yeah she was maybe starting to be like oh she isn't she isn't fucking around okay so, so we'll find out like i think this is going to be a really i think the plot's actually kind of like sneakily going by quickly like you know what i mean like i feel like it's expanding so fast and it's not really like in your face but like it's it's happening like characters yeah. are starting to get to places we're halfway through the season <laughs> yeah and it, it, like i'm still at the same point we were earlier in the season i have no idea what next week's going to be about like I, I don't know really know where they're going yeah but you know i think they're probably going to end up back on mandalore at some point like and they're going to try and retake it and i feel like this group is going to be for sure unit- what is there to retake though like well, there's just no one there live on the planet i don't know like yeah they would have to like they would have to i guess reacclimate to it rebuild yeah. it and also like there's a lot of mandalorians throughout the throughout the galaxy right they that got you know separated so uh, basically bring it back to its former glory like i don't think they plan on just moving into those former buildings like you got to rebuild but like i don't know like that's where i'm kind of assuming they're going to go with it but i also can't tell like fair enough the story yeah. doesn't really show us where they're going like no and like i feel like that's something we've said after every episode this year this week except for the first one which i mean they completely (laughs) switched it around on us in episode two so um but like no i've really been enjoying that aspect of this uh, season so far um do you think bow and din are eventually gonna become a thing like 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 a couple yeah you know actually that's something I, i was thinking about during the episode it's like i could see it there's something about them that like they, they have a weird chemistry uh my yeah. question was more actually going to be the I, i'm gonna i want to know your answer first but i also have another question about her after so what do okay. you think like do you think they'll become a couple hmm i don't know i like i see the way they're both kind of um and that's kind of what i had tweeted there at the end of the episode yeah exactly. mom and dad are going to be proud <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> but they feel, feel like they feel like they're co-parenting almost with Grogu. It feels like it. Yeah. So it, she's always been like very sweet with him. So it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Um my question was actually gonna be though, the opposite. Do you think that she's gonna end up turning on them? Do you I think mean, that's more like that would be a hell of a twist? That's what I mean. Like because um, she's actually never like she's she was a terrorist in the Clone Wars. Yeah, so she's been but, a she's been a a, like person. she's so, certainly been walking the line. So that's towing I mean. the line for like, for most of her arcs throughout Star Wars. So, like, so I, I like I feel it's possible that she's just using them and she's gonna fuck them over at some point. But I doubt it. Like I'm not expecting that at all. I just think it's possible, given you know she she's was part of Death Watch, and you know I wouldn't put it past her. No, for sure. And I like I don't know. <laughs> I think my first comment of this episode was she's looking around, seeing what kind of army she might have. So <laughs> right, I think so... she's gonna use them. Like I don't think she's gonna use them in a bad way, but I think she's gonna, you know, they're Mandalorian. They they want they're gonna have maybe a like minded cause, and yeah, yeah she's she, I, she's definitely not like oh I'm one of you. I think she's more thinking like well we're together in this, and you know I'm the rightful ruler of Mandalore. So you know what I mean for like, sure. So you know I'm loving it. I think she like uh, comments I've been seeing online is like she feels like she's the main character this season, and I, and I actually kind of agree with that. Like, yeah, I'm, and I don't think it's a bad thing. No, it's called the Mandalorian. It's not called Din Djarin. So yeah. it's, she's a Mandalorian. So yes. I'm cool with it. I, I, and I'm, I'm loving Katie Sackhoff this season as her. Like, I feel like she's more comfortable as the character. I know she voiced her in the show, but it's just like, there's just something about her this season. Uh, yes. She's just like, she's taken over the screen, man. I'm really loving her. This Absolutely. So speaking of that and <laughs> the show being called the Mandalorian, um, I'm really loving the arc where Grogu is training to become a Mandalorian. Yeah, I agree. What if 
the show's name is actually related to Grogu and not Din. Like, will Grogu eventually become the true ruler of Mandalore and wielder of the Darksaber? Uh, that's, uh, yeah, a lot of people have brought that up as well. And I actually, that, that would be a really cool, like, long-term writing. And I mean, like the like I said, the Mandalorian as a as a as a title is very broad. The only thing is, I don't think it's possible for Grogu to wield the dark saber for the simple fact that I think it's too fucking big. Um, if you look at Yoda, uh, his lightsaber is like half the size of a regular lightsaber. He, I don't okay. think he, I I think he would look ridiculous holding the dark saber. Truthfully, I don't even think he'd be able to swing it. So yes, yeah, so I, I get the sentiment. Maybe they'd have to alter it. But no, I think it's highly possible like that you know he ends up being the ruler of Mandalore. He maybe tames the Mythosaur through the Force because there's nothing that stops him from using the Force, even if he yeah. isn't a Jedi. What if it's dad and son, father and son, father wielding the the, the dark saber and son Grogu of- getting his own lightsaber? He needs his own lightsaber, at some point, but I kind of doubt he will because it's like he's dropped the Jedi thing. But no, I I would like to see him wield the dark saber. I just I'm picturing it in my head, and he looks stupid just because of how big. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've never actually thought of that point. So that's yeah, uh, that's a Yoda's good point you're making there. That's why, like, and Luke that's true. offered him Yoda's lightsaber. Yeah, it would look fine, but no, like, I don't know. Uh, no, but I agree though. Like, I think the title of the show might actually be meaning him. Like, he's becoming a Mandalorian. So, uh, yeah. And I'm I'm really enjoying this arc. Like, I think it's I think it's really well done. Uh, they're taking their time with it, which I enjoy. Um. Love to see people training shit, and that's why people enjoy like the Clone Wars so much. Is seeing like um, Ahsoka's arc through that. That's why people are enjoying the Bad Batch so much. Seeing, yeah. um, uh, well, Omega, Omega, yes, Jesus, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Omega training, and you know, getting used to uh, you know her. I for what's her weapon again? It's the freaking. It's oh. like a bow and arrow, but it's it's like a lasers. Yeah, it's. A, I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool weapon. Yeah, for sure. But like seeing her training and obviously this past episode uh, was her uh, continuing to learn how to fly. So, yeah, really enjoy those types of shows. And obviously yeah. Ezra through Rebels. Um, so and it's um, all these characters. We have no idea where their where their end is, really. Like none of the characters you just mentioned, we know what their end is. The story is like it's not like, oh, it's, you know, we're seeing Anakin grow, but we know he dies in Return of the Jedi. We don't know what happens to any of these people. Yeah, like we saw their arcs essentially and how they became who they were. And then it's kind of left open to see yeah. where, that, where all that goes. And you mentioned the Bad Batch this episode this week. Uh, the Bad Batch is fucking phenomenal. Like, very good show. It, it's I honestly I'm enjoying it more than Mandalorian right now, and I think it's probably just because I have a big affinity for clones. And like, uh, they brought back Hauser this week too. Like, just quickly. I think mentioned. the finale is this week, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're doing a, a two drop up. finale. Oh man, I, I don't want it to end. Like I, I'm like I know we've been caught up, but man, like it's such a well-written show. Like it's like the best parts of the Clone Wars, in my opinion. Like I, I'm just really enjoying it. Yeah, and I think I, I've said this before, but I, I feel like Rebels and Bad Batch are like, what if the Clone Wars had no bad ep- no bad episodes? <laughs> no, exactly. You don't have any side quests, like, and it's, and it's following a singular group, and it's like, like it's just like I said, it's the best part of Clone Wars because the best parts of the Clone Wars usually involve the clones. Like I, they were, they were the, they were the, they were the heart and soul of that show. So it's, it's nice to follow them in this one. And, sure. and all three storylines seem to be kind of colliding together with the, uh, the Rex and Echo storyline, the, yeah, it is. Um, it's uh, 
Well, fuck. I, I, I'm so, but yes. I'm so, you knew exactly who I meant to say. I'm reading your mind. <laughs> I appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> but Crosshair and obviously our uh, our clone team. Uh, the Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. Essentially, all the storylines are kind of uh, converging together, which is really cool to see. And I'm, I'm excited to see where the finale goes. This it's going to be a cliffhanger. I, I'm already going to say yeah. it all. It's going to be a cliffhanger. Somebody, you even brought it up the other day. Uh, Empire's going to get a hold of uh, of Omega, and it's going to end like that. And then Crosshair is probably going to be with the Batch at the end of the episode, so it's going to be like they traded. You know what I mean? Like Crosshair is going to be back with the Batch. Omega is going to be with the Empire, and I think it's gonna it's gonna cause us. Like the thing is, I don't know if they would keep Omega with the Empire long because I do feel like she is the main character. But but we'll I see. think they could do that by doing like let's say there's a time jump in between two and three. And then, like, you know, they've been trying super hard to get Omega back. And then, like, within the first parts of season three to get her back get or something. Uh, yes. And you said season three. They're going to do a season three. Like, it's, oh, absolutely. it's fucking happening. And they're going to do a season four, too. I, I don't see this show being short. Uh, like, I see five minimum, truthfully. I, I'm seeing a five season show here. I'm thinking four, like Rebels. Yeah, honestly. That's probably fair. But it's just like that. It's the story feels so important to Star Wars as a whole that it's like I could see this going far. Like it, like the story here feels more important than any of the other shows going on in the past couple of years. Like I feel like because it has these implications for uh, the sequel tr- uh, sequel trilogy with the cloning and the, maybe the creation of Snoke or the creation of the Palpatine clone. Uh, I think this is really, re- really, 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 really relevant. No, I I totally agree, and I think we've said it. Kind of said it last week where I was like, yeah, this is kind of all tying in together. It is. And uh, uh, for all the yeah. people that want them to retcon the sequels, uh, not not happening. They're enhancing the sequels. And Absolutely. That's big, that's big Papa Dave doing his work. And uh, I, lo- I love Filoni. Like the man is a Star Wars artist. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's about it for this week. Um, Did you uh, did you have anything else you wanted to kind of say or, or add about uh Anything we've talked about? No, just wanted to like say that like Star Wars is so good right now. Like I, I feel like Star Wars is such a good place uh, as we speak. Like we got Jedi Survivor coming, and these these such these good shows. It's, it feels good as as a lifelong Star Wars fan to like actually have a bunch of projects that are like quality and feel good at once. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And I couldn't have said that any better, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so. Absolutely. So that will bring us to the end of this episode of the Movie Multiverse podcast. Uh, Steven and I, next week, will have our review for Season 3, Episode 5 of The Mandalorian. I'm debating whether or not I want to do a review for Your Honor. Um, I felt yeah, like doing it this week, but I... You know, three reviews in the same episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, that's, you know, yeah, it would have been four. So I was like, yeah, that's, I think that's too much for one episode. So yeah, I think I'll do that for next week. But uh, yeah, until sure. then... Hope you all have a good week and see you next time. That'll do it for this episode of the Movie Multiverse podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. You can also follow us on Twitter at Movie Multipod. You can follow Steven at Your Uncle Steven. And you can follow me at Gab underscore Chartier. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.